Hello, in this week's podcast, Aboriginal art custodians from the Burrup Peninsula in Western Australia come all the way to Geneva to tell us that they're facing cultural genocide, while in Haiti, gang violence is creating a serious problem for UN relief teams. Across Africa, we find out why there's serious concern about the spread of animal-to-human disease, and in the Philippines, a court ruling on press freedom hero Maria Reza has sparked alarm from one leading human rights expert. That's all coming up in this week's UN Catch-Up Dateline Geneva with me, Daniel Johnson. First, the news. The decision by a Philippines court to uphold the conviction of campaigning journalist Maria Reza should be reassessed by the newly elected government. The UN Special Rapporteur on Freedom of Opinion and Expression, Irene Khan, said on Thursday. Ms Reza, who was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in 2021 for her work defending freedom of expression as a co-founder of the independent news outlet Rappler, was convicted of cyber libel in 2020. It followed the publication of an article on alleged corruption involving the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court in the Philippines. The ruling against Ms. Reza by the Court of Appeal earlier this month also applied to another writer associated with the article, Ronaldo Santos Jr. His prison sentence was increased by several months, along with Ms. Reza's, to more than six years and eight months. Ms. Khan said that she was deeply concerned by recent developments in the Philippines to silence investigative journalism and called on newly elected President Ferdinand Marcos Jr.'s government to withdraw the charges against Ms. Reza. Surging gang violence in the Haitian capital has contributed to dire food insecurity for at least a million people there, the UN World Food Programme has warned. On Tuesday, it said that the situation is spiralling out of control already. That was according to Jean-Martin Bauer, who's WFP Haiti country director. He said that large parts of Port-au-Prince are controlled by between 150 to 200 gangs. Speaking via Zoom from Port-au-Prince, Mr Bauer said that things were getting worse by the day for Haitians. Places that are very close to the port and also close to where hundreds of thousands of very poor people live. The WFP official explained how one heavily pregnant woman had to shelter on the floor of her home for an entire day to avoid being caught in the crossfire during a prolonged gunfight. The next day, just as she was about to leave her house, someone set fire to it. She later gave birth and now lives in a centre for displaced people. To avoid the violence and to ensure that vulnerable Haitians receive assistance outside the capital, WFP has had to resort to using sea routes to deliver humanitarian aid rather than trucks, which represent an easy target. To Africa, where there's been a sharp rise in the number of diseases passing from animals to people in the last decade, the UN health agency WHO said on Thursday. According to the World Health Organization, the threat for Africa is severe, After new data analysis revealed a 63% increase in the number of animal-to-human outbreaks on the continent from 2012 to 2022, compared with the previous 10 years. With more on these zoonotic diseases, as they're also known, here's WHO's Regional Director for Africa, Dr. Machidiso Mweti. One in every three confirmed public health events in the region in the past decade was a zoonotic disease outbreak with a significant spike in 2019 and 2020 when these diseases accounted for half of all public health events. A deeper dive reveals that Ebola and similar hemorrhagic fevers constitute nearly 70% of these outbreaks. The remainder include, among others, monkeypox, dengue fever, anthrax and plague. 
rising urbanisation which has encroached on natural habitats is likely responsible for this increase in the animal-to-human disease spike, along with a growing demand for food, which has led to faster road, rail and air links from remote to built-up areas. To keep populations safe, Dr Mweti urged greater cooperation among human, animal and environmental health experts working in collaboration with affected communities. Just as important are reliable surveillance and response measures, the WHO official insisted, so that medics can detect the diseases and quell any potential spread. The headlines there and cultural genocide is a strong allegation, but that's exactly what Aboriginal Maturian traditional custodian Raylene Cooper told me that her community is experiencing in the Burrup Peninsula of Western Australia. It's a place that's home to more than a million rock art engravings that are more than 70,000 years old. But it's also a place of industrial scale mining. And that's why Raylene travelled halfway across the world to tell me her moving story in Geneva. Here she is now. Well, firstly, the country here is unbelievable in the Switzerland and Geneva. However, we've come all the way from my homelands in Murujuga Barup to come and convey a very important message. That message is to the UN pleading to intervene in our fight for our culture, our history, that we are suffering a long battle from government and industry who are pretty much destroying our sacred, significant Indigenous sites in Australia. Tell me about these Indigenous sites. How would you describe it? A stone sculpture on the landscape? What exactly is it? Yes, well, our main area of homeland that I'm speaking of is Murujuga, um, the Barrett Peninsula. It is a gallery of ancient rock art, which is dated back to 70,000 years old. It features carved rock that was by our ancestors, and they still remain there today. They hold significant stories they hold significant song lines. What does a song line mean, sorry? So a song line is, so we have a picture that's carved into a rock. Those particular totems or pictures, I guess to put it simply, they hold the stories. So it is a a storybook, basically. Uh, They also archive our law. Law meaning L-O-R-E. Your stories? Yes, and with that, the song lines travel all across our continent from the Barrett Peninsula to way over the eastern side of Australia to the middle of Australia, the Uluru and all up in the Kimberley area in Western Australia. So our song lines travel all the way through our continent. So you've come to Geneva, you've been speaking to the UN panel on Indigenous rights. What was your message to them? What is it exactly that you want? We're hoping that the UN are able to intervene because these ancient stories and songlines, they've been here for many, many years, evolutions in fact, and it is being destroyed by industry. Um, government and industry work hand in hand, and we feel that they are being influenced by the wealth of our industry and resource companies within our country. Um, Western Australia in particular, where mining is rife right through Western Australia and it is hurting our people and the government need to take action and hear us. They haven't been listening. Can I just interrupt? Why is it hurting your people? It's not all about wealth. It's not all about destroying the land for resources. 
We need to start making changes within our country because this also not only affects us culturally, in every which way our ecological systems, our environmental underground waters, our animals, our plants, um, these are a part of our dreaming stories and we hold them very dear to us. However, government are being influenced in a way where they need to start hearing our people's voices. You spoke about mining and, and I think that there are some 100 mining sites in Western Australia, particularly in the Burrup Peninsula where you're, where you're from. So you can understand that the scale of damage is perhaps vast. I know that UNESCO is thinking about giving it World Heritage Protected status, which would be great and that would give you some positives. And also at the Human Rights Council, I don't know if you're aware, but the other day one of the top rights experts appointed by the council called on industry to respect due diligence in its dealings with, well, with anything. If it's prospecting for a new contract, it needs to respect due diligence. And perhaps that's what's been missing in the past. So can you see any positives from the international discussion happening at the moment with regard to Indigenous rights? We're always looking at the positives, and I do believe you know, people are starting to listen and they're starting to hear. Because there's not been a lot of information out there regarding the destructiveness, resources, mining and government approvals and decisions are being made um, without free and prior formal consent of all traditional custodians. And there's a big link missing and it's time of bringing people together. So I guess we're hoping for a positive move from the Australian government and industry. However, it's still a long way away. We're hoping with the UNESCO World Heritage nomination that Murujuga, the Burrup Peninsula, have been nominated for its unique and remarkable landscape and our Indigenous history. So we're hoping that this will, in a positive direction, move forward and be able to bring all people in our area that goodness and that feeling in their heart, their widowed, their heart and their soul, at peace that we are able to protect everything and what we can do that means so much to us. Do you think that the two cultures can coexist? Unfortunately, there have been statements being made by government regarding the industry and Indigenous history can coexist. At this point in Murujuga, I can speak for, that time has passed and gone. However, as we have industry sitting right in the middle smack bang of our history and our ancient rock art. However, you know, there's not so much that we can do now, but we're wanting to prevent further destruction and prevent furthermore resources on the country itself. So I guess this is the next step we're looking for in terms of speaking with government when we get back to Australia. And finally, you've spoken, you've used very strong words, cultural genocide. Yes. That's how you feel? Oh, certainly. Look, you know, Australia is still a very young country, 200 plus years old. We're still unsettled from the colonialism. However, we're moving forward day by day and year by year, and we're coming closer. We're hoping with everything in our wit art, our heart, that there is going to be an understanding. And people who don't understand, we need to start sharing our stories and our knowledge so that they understand and can see where we're coming from as cultural people and why because at the end of the day they are now a part of our story you know everybody who walks the land walks our mother earth they are part of our stories and our histories however you have to remember our histories of genocide all over the world it's time people start going well we haven't learnt and we need to start moving forward and come together 
as a planet, as a people, as humanity, because there is no other planet from here. Massive thanks to Raylene Cooper for the interview and for the huge hug she gave me right afterwards. It doesn't happen often and it made my day. You can check it out on UN News' Twitter feed. We need more hugs, people. With that comforting thought, it's time for me to wrap things up. Thank you very much indeed for tuning in to find out about the UN's work. We'll be back the week after next, so I hope to catch you then. Bye-bye for now. Thank you.